0: Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It's Tuesday, the 3rd of November. I'm Tom Tilly. And normally on this day, Annika Smethurst would have left Canberra and gone where, Annika?
1: I'd be at Flemington in a normal year. I'm a Melbourneian at heart. I love nothing more than being there during this week, but... It's not to be, not only because I'm stuck in Canberra, but there'll be no one there today, Tom.
0: Yeah, in this briefing, we're going to find out how the race that stops the nation was saved and, and just how different it will be in this pandemic year, particularly with no one, not even the owner's trackside.
2: Quite honestly, with the last few cases as we are coming through a couple of weeks ago, it actually didn't feel 100% right. We were a bit nervous about what it means and we need to be really thoughtful of that. The
0: 2020 Melbourne Cup in just a moment. First, let's hit the big stories of the day.
2: Now,
1: just one day until America votes, Donald Trump and Joe Biden are hitting as many states as they can with a final pitch to voters.
2: With your help, your devotion and your drive, we are going to keep on working. We are going to keep on fighting and we are going to keep on winning, winning, winning.
0: Well, Joe Biden has other ideas.
2: We learned a long time ago, every generation has to fight to keep the democracy. I never believed we'd have to fight this hard, though. I never believed it would be this much in jeopardy.
0: Now, the national polls, if anyone trusts them, have narrowed slightly. The president is now trailing Joe Biden by 7.2%.
1: A lot of people have voted early. They do slightly favour Biden, we're being told, but it's really hard to know. And, Tom, as you know, back in 2016, Hillary Clinton actually won the popular vote and still lost the election. And that could happen here again. So... How does that actually work?
0: Yeah, well, it all comes down to this electoral college system, which is quite complicated. It's a bit different to what we know here in Australia. Basically, there are these representatives called presidential electors. There's 538 of them nationally, and they're broken up state by state. Now, the number of them in each state is related to how big the population is in that state. For example, Wyoming has only three electoral college votes. Florida has 29 Now, generally, if you get most of the votes in a state, then you get all their electoral college votes. And if you get the majority of the total electoral college, you win the election. And this is why those swing states with lots of college votes like Florida and Pennsylvania end up determining a big amount of those college votes. And often, you're watching them very closely in the final moments of the election to see who's won. So... It's it's an interesting system, isn't it, Annika?
1: Sounds simple. No, look, if, if you're trying to simplify it down, it's like Queensland. Usually in Australia we say whichever way Queensland goes, goes the country. So just think of it like that. Yeah,
0: we're well, still overseas and Johnny Depp has lost a court case against the British tabloid for calling him a wife-beater. After a high court judge found the allegations to be substantially true.
1: The article, which was published by The Sun in 2018, alleged the 57-year-old had been violent towards his ex-wife Amber Heard. During the trial, Heard told the court he had choked, punched, slapped, head-butted and kicked her, but Depp always denied the claims.
0: In a statement, the Sun said domestic abuse victims must never be silenced and we thank the judge for his careful consideration and thank Amber Heard for her courage in giving
1: evidence. Depp's lawyer has called the judgment flawed and suggested that he may launch an appeal. The CEO of Australia Post has resigned. A fortnight after Prime Minister Scott Morrison said he wanted her gone.
0: Christine Holgate says the investigation into the decision to spend $20,000 on Cartier watches as a bonus for senior executives was impacting her health and Australia Post's ability to do its job.
1: In a statement, the now former boss wrote that she didn't regret buying them, quote, to recognise the outstanding work of four employees and only regrets that it has caused so much debate and served as a distraction.
0: Yeah, this is big news yesterday. Um, a lot of people were making the point that twenty thousand dollars is not a huge amount of money compared to the four million dollars she was saving Australia Post on her salary compared to the the former CEO. And they also pointed to, you know, tens of millions of dollars that were under a cloud of, of other government spending. Do you think she really needed to resign here?
1: Look, we all know watches are a popular present when people leave an organisation or do well in it, but this is taxpayer money, and I think in times of a recession, the Prime Minister knew that this one wasn't going to play out too well in the public.
0: Yeah, but she could have just apologised, right? Did she have to go to lose her job for something like that?
1: It was quite an interesting statement. She did apologise, and she did say she didn't think she needed to go, but she did reference the pub test, which we all talk about, Mm. and that's standing around at the front bar, does this pass that test, and... I think she actually is right. I think in these times, probably not.
0: And Australian house prices have risen for the first time since the start of the pandemic, which is good news for some and not others.
1: Yeah, not great for people like me who want to buy a house. Look, nationally, property prices lifted by 0.4% in October. Sydney and Melbourne were the outliers, though. The harbour city saw sluggish growth of just 0.5%, while Melbourne fell slightly by 0.2%.
0: Yeah, so I guess house prices coming back is not good news for people wanting to get into the market. Like so many. Young Australians. There is a silver lining if you're trying to get a home loan, though. The Reserve Bank is expecting to cut the cash rate again today from 0.25 to just 0.1%. All right, in a moment, we'll take you to a Melbourne Cup like no other.
1: photo finish and master of reality a classic cup
0: that was the race that stops the nation through two world wars the great depression and the spanish flu that race that stops the nation has never been stopped itself
1: but tom there was a moment back in march when it looked like covid19 would halt the melbourne cup for the first time in 160 years
0: yeah and today that race will run but with no crowds, no stilettos in the mud, no celebrities shoulder to shoulder in the birdcage. Fashions in the field will be fashions in people's front yards and no roar from the grandstands full of people, just the sound of horses' hooves and jockeys' voices.
1: In this briefing, we'll find out how the race was saved and just how different it will be in this bizarre pandemic year. Caroline Ralph-Smith has been part of the team pulling together this year's race. She's the Executive General Manager of Customer Experience at the Victorian Racing Club.
0: Caroline, thanks for joining us. Was there a moment where you thought COVID might be the thing that finally stops the race, it stops the nation?
2: Yeah, you know, I think there are a couple of times, to be quite honest, uh, and we've sort of been on this journey since since mid-March. We have not been back into the Flemington offices since then. Um, and in those early days, we sort of thought, we'll just ride it out and we'd get through March and April. But I think as um, more and more sports began to close down, there was a thought that racing would be one of them. And as you may know that um, we have been extremely lucky in that racing has been able to continue, not necessarily with the way we always do it, but with with our equine athletes has been able to continue the whole way along. But we just knew that if a jockey or or a trainer or a participant got COVID and that started to go through some stables, that would be a really big issue and that racing would actually stop entirely. So we were very, very conscious that the biosecurity, um, all the aspects of the biosecurity processes that were put in place were so important.
0: And so have any trainers or jockeys got COVID doing their job?
2: There's been a couple of scares and a couple of tests that have been required, but no, no one has actually got COVID within the, what they call the racing bubble at the moment. So, and touch wood, you know, we're not over obviously. So, you know, we continue to be really, really tight on that sort of biosecurity approach.
1: Now, Caroline, obviously the race is going ahead and that's fantastic, but it's going to look pretty different to the normal day at Flemington. I'm a regular race goer. I love it out there. There's usually Huge crowds, a lot going on. Who's actually gonna be trackside this year?
2: Yes, it is going to look really different. And I think the big thing about the Melbourne Cup Carnival is that there are lots of race days when there are people on course, but the Melbourne Cup Carnival just has multiple layers of major eventness, if you like, that goes way beyond normal racing. Um, And that means we normally have a huge amount of public and members and sponsors and corporates and entertaining. And unfortunately, this year, very, very little of that. In fact, none of that will happen. We'll have all of the racing participants. We'll have the the jockeys and the trainers. Um, There's a core group of staff that are there to operate a lot to do with the broadcaster and there's um, the broadcaster along with some media. But outside of that, that's pretty much it. So it's a very, very different place than it normally would be.
0: Yeah, so no crowds. It's going to be very, very different. Um, The VRC made some pretty strong submissions explaining to the government how you could have the owners there, um, you know, a 1,000 or so. So given the extremely low case numbers and given, you know, there's been 10,000 plus at Sydney events, do you think the government's made the wrong call?
2: (laughs) Look, we, um, we made multiple submissions starting way back in. I think the first one that we made was about, uh, six or eight, eight weeks ago for various crowds. The difficulty in Melbourne is that we have had a bit of a roller coaster and we have no desire for our brand to be associated with anything that is, is spreading COVID either. So we were very conscious that it wasn't going to be easy. And, and we also did it knowing there was a decent chance it would not be accepted. Um, when we got closer to it, quite honestly, with the last few cases as we are coming through a couple of weeks ago, it actually didn't feel 100% right. We were a bit nervous about what it means and we need to be really thoughtful of that. Um, the second proposal, which was much more focused on owners, which is the one I think you're referring to most recently, I think we could, you know, safely host um, a small number of crowds. But unlike Sydney, who's been in a position uh, to do that for many, many weeks, if not months, it is new for us, and we need to be caught careful and thoughtful. So I don't think there is a right or a wrong decision. There's so many different sides to this coin. I just, it's a really tricky one. Um, and you know, we we knew we could do it in one way, but we also were concerned about, you know, being the first to to give that a crack as well. That's so a trade-off.
0: Yeah, there's been a lot of speculation about how the lack of crowd noise might actually impact the, the running of the race. And we spoke to racing identity Emma Friedman, whose dad has trained five Melbourne Cup winners. Um, here's what she had to say on that topic.
3: I think for the horses, it'll actually be a, a benefit. They still know that they're out on race day and they're, they're there to compete and do a job. And that's what they've been bred and trained to do and they love it um i think it probably is more of a concern for the jockeys to be honest as athletes and you and we heard this from a lot of football players you know being around a crowd and hearing the cheering and the screaming and the jeering and it hypes your arousal levels and it makes you perform the jockeys don't have that either so they have to find i guess a motivation
0: so that's emma's tank what do you think we've already had the the caulfield cup the cox plate uh and derby day uh How did they go? Was there a noticeable impact on the horses or the jockeys?
2: I'm not a jockey, so it's a really hard um, question for me to answer specifically, but we did not see that. We saw fabulous racing. We saw an absolute thrilled jockey and a thrilled owner and trainer when the the race was won. So um, I, I don't think so. I think my sense is when you're on a horse, it is so intense. You're in the moment. There's actually a lot of noise going on. There's a lot of jockeys talking, you know, to each other. There's a lot, lots of horse noise going on. And it, my sense is not. Um, and from a broadcast point of view, the, there's enough atmosphere that's going on, I think, to really create that for the for the viewer as well.
1: Some of those traditions you're actually trying to keep alive, which is great. Things like fashions on the field are going to go ahead,
2: albeit virtually. So how are you doing that? Yeah, so we have um, a lot of different things that happen at the Melbourne Cup Carnival. Um, And Annika, as you said, you're probably quite familiar with them, fashions being one of them. It's such a huge part of what happens on course, both in terms of what people wear themselves, but also the competition element of it. And so we're really encouraging two things. One, for people to enjoy it at home. And if it's time for you to get your heels out and you haven't done it for a while, please do that and have fun with it. (laughs) But also um, do fashions on your front lawn, which is our substitute. So we've got Maya fashions on the front lawn this year where you actually take a photo of yourself, you upload that photo and you enter the competition that way. And that's been fabulous because it's meant that anyone can do it wherever they are. You don't actually need a front lawn. It can be in your back lawn. It can be on your balcony. And then in addition, we've got some just for fun categories this year to sort of reflect that weird COVID sort of space we've been in that are much more relaxed. So, you're a Mad Hatter, for example, and some lounging style ideas that if you really wanted to sort of get your fancy exercise gear on, you know, do that and take your photo of yourself. So, you know, distributing that opportunity so people can really have fun no matter where they are.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting point with, with so many things that we haven't been able to access, like traveling interstate or going to bars and restaurants. There has been this pent up demand that comes back bigger and better. Do you think that might help the TV ratings because it has struggled in, in recent years. It came off half a million viewers last year. Do you think people not being able to be tracked side will help boost the TV audience?
2: Yeah, I do. I hope so. I think it's a double-edged sword because there's also an element of well, now I can go out. Maybe I don't need to be watching TV. So we're not quite sure whether it's going to be something where people are going to get super excited and really gather around the TV or gather around their pubs or whether actually it's time to get out of the house and away from the TV. So we've done our absolute best to create a brilliant show, particularly for Cup Day that's got A huge amount of entertainment layering and all the fashions and lots of great fun things. So we think it's going to be by far the best broadcast ever, and we hope that that'll really drive people to watch it and enjoy it at home in whatever you know fashion that they would like.
1: Given you know a lot of these things won't be going ahead as usual, there's obviously going to be a big financial hole, not just for the race club itself, but for Victoria. Brings a lot of people to town. There's a lot of other events going on, so how big is that hole and what sort of effect will that have on the club and flemington and melbourne itself
2: yeah it is well it will definitely be a big financial impact for us it also costs us a lot so um, you know, it's not all negative um, It's not, not all negative, and we have been able to race throughout the year, but just even putting the things together, we know that that's going to have a big hit for us. Um, we also know that last year we generated $434 million of economic impact for Victoria just through the many different industries that benefit from the event and the way that it works. So, We know that that's going to be significantly hit as well. I don't think we'll really know until the wash up, until the end of everything and how we all pan out, um, look at all of the different streams of revenue, but it is going to be significant.
0: And given we're in a recession and people are doing it tough financially, do you have a particular message about gambling responsibly in this climate?
2: Yeah, look, I think gambling responsibly is always incredibly important. Um, and you can actually have a lot of fun without gambling. There's lots of sweeps you can do. You can play um, play lots of games on our website. We've got a section called Giddy Up where you can do some trivia. You can do your own sweeps. Um, I don't think, particularly the Melbourne Cup, it is more about having fun, enjoying the experience of being a part of something that's so Australian and so historical. And if that means you have a, a flush, out, go for it. But, you know, everyone has to be really thoughtful about that and we take that very seriously.
0: And do you have a tip for the winner?
2: I do but I, in no way would I suggest that you do this, but I love Very Elegant. I think she's beautiful and I think off the back of the Caulfield Cup, she looks great. But if anyone does put money behind that and doesn't win, then I um, I take no responsibility.
0: No backlash, please.
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: That's Caroline Ralph-Smith from the Victorian Racing Club um, with her tip. We also asked Emma Freeman from the well-known racing family for hers.
3: Look, it's a really different Melbourne Cup because we don't have that huge influx of international like we have had over the last 10, 15 years or so. So there's a lot of local hopes, which is exciting for Australian racing fans. A couple of horses I I think will definitely be in the finish. Finch, who ran seventh in the Melbourne Cup last year. Watch out for his colours, aqua, white and pink. Very elegant. She has been a star this carnival. Um, Hard to write off her train by probably the best trainer in the country in Chris Waller. And I'd also be looking out for... um, if I've you know, got to throw a, a Friedman horse in there as well, Steel Prince, who won the Geelong Cup about 10 days ago, he opened at $81. He's now into 34 So a lot of people thinking that Steel Prince can run a belter of the race.
0: There you go. And uh, the final tip comes from Annika Smethurst.
1: Oh, that feels like a lot of pressure, Tom. I need to know who you're on. Look, I like Prince of Aaron. Did really, really well last year. Didn't quite get there. So that's in the red and the blue. Fingers crossed because I've got a bit of money on that one.
0: And the tip from me is I have no idea. (laughs) All right, that's it for today. If you are going to have a flutter on the Melbourne Cup, gamble responsibly. We'll speak to you tomorrow.
3: A Podcast One production.